right? Once you notice verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this verse right here, this is a passage that has been used for years to beat up Christians, make them doubt their salvation if they struggle with getting some kind of victory over sin. And I believe a lot of that is because they isolate this verse. And we're going to look at the rest of this passage here in a little bit. But one of the greatest discouragements that Christians often face in their Christian walk is the lack of change that we often see in the lives of other Christians. If you want to get me discouraged, if you want to get any pastor discouraged, is sometimes, uh, and I, I've been there, my dad, you know, my dad, uh, who prayed for him, by the way, he had a nasty fall and uh, broke his shoulder uh, last night. And so he is at church with us via online this morning. So uh, be, be praying for him. But I know this is something I saw that he dealt with. But whenever you would watch like old videos of the church and stuff, and you just you see all these people on there that used to be in church on fire for God, and then you know now are not living for the Lord, it's very discouraging. When you think about the amount of people, if you've been in a church for a long period of time, who have come through the doors and yet they are no longer serving God. It can it, you you think about that too much, it'll mess with your mind. All right, it'll it'll mess with your head. And it is, it's a very discouraging thing. Other Christians often get discouraged as they see people they were friends with, they were close to, that they were fellow laborers with, just kind of turn around and walk away from it all. And it can cause a lot of confusion. And I think it's very important that we have some things settled in our minds, some things that we understand. And as somebody who, you know, obviously I'm a student of the Word of God, but I'm also a student of people and, and behavior. And there are some things that, I have reconciled in my mind over the years that have been a big help to me. And I, I want to share some of these things with you this morning that hopefully will be a help to you. Because sometimes you do. You feel like people ever change. And do people ever really change? You know, do people really change? I mean, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, they do. Hey man, full change. Ain't never going back. You know, all the classic camp meeting stuff. That you hear. And often too, people are like, man, I'm struggling to feel that change. You know, I just, I keep going back to my old ways. And if I can just get to a meeting where I feel the spirit enough to, you know, truly change me this time, you know, then I'll, I'll never want to do these things again. And, you know, this, this is bad theology messing with you. It's important that we understand certain things about ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to get really, really discouraged. And so often when we find ourselves wondering, if someone was ever really saved or not, you know, or if they were ever truly doing something for the Lord or not, it can get discouraging. And just, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, one thing that has helped me and one thing that will help all of you, we've got to get away from just trying to nail down who's saved and who's not saved. We, we can't make everything a salvation issue. When you do that, you're going to end up confusing the gospel you're going to end up perverting the gospel. You're going to confuse yourself. You're going to discourage yourself. We don't need to do that. Okay? The gospel is the gospel. It's very simple. It's very easy. It is a salvation that is by faith. It is without works. How that, that, you know, how a change in the, the new man will manifest himself. It's going to vary. We don't know the timing of these things. There's so much that we don't know. So the reality is, I just don't even worry about it. I don't even, I don't think about it. I don't even really think I need to. You know, because here's the thing too. We understand that you can't lose your salvation. 
We are, but at the same time, too, there are Judases out there. There are people who are going to come in and infiltrate that were devils from the beginning. You are going to have people that never were saved. That's a reality. There is, it's important we understand there is such a thing as Judases, but we don't have to know who they all are ahead of time. We don't even have to know for sure who they were after the fact. It's, it's important that we understand there are such a thing as reprobates. But we don't have to know who all they are. We don't have to be, you know, super accurate in identifying all of them ahead of time. We just need to know there's such a thing as those things. We also need to understand there's just such a thing too as fruitless Christians. We also need to understand there's such a thing as a Christian who was bearing fruit and who quit bearing fruit. That can, ha- that can happen too. If we understand all of these things, it can help us to focus our minds where they need to be focused. And all these other things are just big distractions, I think. And that's why I just get, I get frustrated and I get aggravated when people ask me all the time, you know, do you think this person's even saved? And, you know, what, it's just, what, let's not go there. You're going to confuse everything. If you do that, let's keep the conversation where it needs to be. Let's keep the focus where it belongs. And so I've had many conversations over the year over the years with people trying to help them make sense of someone's behavior. And so when a person gets saved, we rightfully hope and expect some kind of outward change to take place in their life. That's what we want to see. Whenever we see that outward change, it is always exciting. It gives us comfort that the Holy Spirit did move in. And especially if it's in someone that we love, because we do, we want additional assurance for those people. And so when we see those outward changes, because we can't see the inside, it's encouraging to us. But what happens when that person who made a great change goes back to their old ways? We want to make sense of that in our minds. And we do. We often sit around wondering what happened. How do people go from faithful, loving members of a church to literally they can often become enemies who will even want to destroy a church? How, did, how does it get to that point? When this happens, does that mean they were just never one of us to begin with? I, I don't think so. Because again, a lot of times it's like, man, I know that person. They were sincere. But now they they're, seem like they're an enemy of the gospel. They're crazy. What's going on? You know, were they even really saved? If they weren't saved, am I sure I'm even saved? You know, that's what often happens with people. But listen, I believe more often than not with people who have been in this church... And I would, in fact, I would go as far as saying pretty much everyone here is capable of doing the same thing. Everyone in here, you know, right now you're sitting here, you, you love this church, you love the Lord, you love the people here in this church, but I personally believe everyone in here is capable of turning around and really getting nasty and becoming an enemy of this church and wanting to attack this church, wanting to destroy this church. You say, oh, how dare you think I'm capable of that? Well, you know, I, I think you are. I really do. Because all of you in here are dragging around this dirty, stinking, dead, rotten flesh. You, you all have that that's a part of you. And if you give in to that, if your soul gives the flesh its way, it will turn against this church. Because this church, what it stands for, is spiritual. It supports the spiritual. It promotes the things of the inward man that are contrary to the things of the flesh. And if you choose to give yourself over to the things of the flesh, you will become very hostile to this church if we're standing for that which is right, if we're promoting that which is right. You are capable of doing that because you still have the flesh. I believe that. Now let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. 
Because I do. I believe more often than not that that's what we're dealing with is we're not dealing with unsaved people, but I believe often we deal with people who are saved and at one time we saw a change because they started focusing on the inward man. They started following the Spirit. They were walking in the Spirit. And as a result, that created a major difference in their life. But those same people still had the flesh and what ended up happening was they started walking in the lust of the flesh. They started giving themselves over to the things of the flesh and it manifests itself in the ways that the flesh always manifests itself in that which is sinful, that which is corrupt, and that which is rotten. And so look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, a lot's being said right here in, in this passage, but understand what is groaning within us is not the flesh. That's the spiritual man that is groaning. It's the spiritual man. It wants that. It wants to get rid of this earthly house, the flesh, and it wants that new body that we read about, that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It wants to get rid of this. That, but that's only the inward man. That's not your flesh groaning. Okay? Your spiritual man is groaning because of the flesh. And so we do. We want, we want to be clothed. We don't want to be found naked. We don't want Christ to find us just in the flesh when He comes back because in our flesh is very corrupt. And so we do. We have to put on the new man. We have to put on Christ. We have to put on kindness. We have to regularly remind ourselves, the spiritual man in us, it, 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 it's always pushing us towards that which is spiritual. And us in our, in our souls and in our hearts and our minds, we've got to make it that choice. Yes, I've got to, I not only do I have to put on the new man, I've got to put off the old man that is corrupt in his deeds. We have to do this every day. We're going to have to do this every day for the rest of our life. And so verse 5, Now he that wrought us for the selfsame things of God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And that's all we've got right now. We've got that earnest of the Spirit, so we know we're going to go to heaven. We've got that earnest payment. God gave us that Spirit. He's going to come through, and we're going to get the glorified body one of these days. But we don't have it right now. We have the promise of it, but we don't physically, or we don't physically have the, the glorified body right now. So the, that inward man groans. We've got a conflict going on. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, though whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And you know what? We all do some things in our body that are good, and we do some things that are bad. We're going to have people that are going to come into this church, and they're going to do some things that were good. And they were truly good. And they're going to do some things that were bad, too. You know why? Because sometimes they were following the Spirit. Sometimes they were following the flesh. We're all capable of it. 
Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. And I want you to keep that verse in mind too, because there are, there are those who they have learned to give the appearance of walking in the Spirit. Okay? And understand, you're capable of that too. Well, it's only the Judas's that. No. Our flesh, too, our flesh wants acceptance in our community and those around us, even within the church. And often we can put on an appearance of walking in the Spirit, but we're not doing these things from the heart. And we'll say more about that in a little bit. But they are, there. many are, they've, they've put on a form of righteousness or godliness. And again, but again, too, you, ha- you might have the Judas that comes in, they put on a form of godliness. They give the appearance of salvation. They're going to go to the same hell as everyone else because no amount of works will get you into heaven. No amount of going to church, dressing like a Christian, going soul winning. None of those things are going to get you into heaven. Absolutely, absolutely none. So again, all these outward things, they're not the real evidence of salvation. They, we, we can't know for sure. Here's what we can know. If we walk in the flesh, it will manifest itself in the works of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, it will manifest itself with the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all those things. But verse 13, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, that's living for the flesh, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so what became new was the spiritual, not the physical. We all still have the same body. We still have the same flesh. Your flesh after you got saved was just as sinful as it ever was before you got saved. Never forget that. Say, well, yeah, but I changed some things. Well, that's because you started walking in the Spirit. You got the new man. That's what changed. That new man is a big change. The spiritual man, that is, that is a big change. All things are going to become new because you now have the new man. Your spirit has been regenerated. But if we forget that the flesh is still alive, that the flesh is still there, we are very likely to be deceived into going back into the things of the flesh and you will get yourself in the same trouble that you would have gotten yourself into before you got saved. And so thank God for the spiritual man that gives us the ability to say no to the flesh. And if you're saved, guess what? You can say no to the flesh. If you are saved and you give in to the things of the flesh, it's because you gave in to the things of the flesh. You've got nobody to blame but yourself for that. So don't forget that. But it was the new man that, that changed. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know one of the things that became new when you got saved? God does not impute your trespasses to you anymore. But guess what? You still have trespasses. They're just not imputed to you. Unlike the unsaved, whose trespasses are imputed to them. That's, that's a big thing right there too. 
Because when it comes to the flesh, there is, there is no comparing the saved with the unsaved. Our flesh is just as rotten as theirs is. But when you got saved, you received that new spiritual man and his trespasses are not going to be imputed to him. They say, well, what about when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, that's going to take place after the resurrection and you will have a new and glorified body at that point. And there will be no sin in you. And the sins you've done before, they are under the blood. So, and we're looking forward to that day. So, verse 20, now then... We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so this passage that's often weaponized against people, it couldn't be more clear that our righteousness is it's in Christ. And, it, and what changed, it was on the inside and not on the outside. I think that's one of the, mo- the worst things that churches are failing to teach or they're one of the worst things they are teaching is that there something changed in their flesh after they got saved. You are leaving them wide open to deception and wide open to being hurt. You are going to make them confused when they're still desiring things that are sinful because people need to understand your flesh is always going to be sinful. That's why we need a new and glorified body. And we're waiting for it. We're groaning for it. All these things are taught here in 2 Corinthians 5, but everybody only wants to preach verse 17. Let's preach the whole chapter. We preach the whole chapter, we're going to be a whole lot better off. But this is why we need to be, as Christians, forgiving and forbearing with each other. Because all of us are going to get in the flesh from time to time, and we don't need to be imputing everyone's trespasses to them. You know what? Isn't it interesting, too? Everybody, when they leave a church, you know what they always do? Impute everyone's trespasses to them. And as a pastor, too, I'm like, well, you know what? You're saying you're going to leave the church because brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so did whatever to you. They've always done that. You know, you know why? Because they've always got people always get in the flesh. Sometimes it's amazing how it's like. So wait a minute. The five years you were coming to the church, you didn't have a problem with this. Were they just not committing any trespasses during that time, or did you just now decide to impute their trespasses to them? See, we're supposed to be forgiving because if we go to church with each other for any length of time, we're going to do stuff to each other. We shouldn't, but it's going to happen. It says in, th- in Colossians three twelve, put on. Put on, therefore. So this isn't who I am. We'll put it on. Okay? Just like kids like to play dress up. Girls like to dress up like princes. Boys try to dress up like cops or, you know, army men or something like that. You know what? Sometimes there's some things you say, well, that's not really who I am. We'll put it on. Okay? Put on Christ. Put off, put off the old man. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. I'm not any of those things. Yeah, you're not in your flesh, but put it on. The spiritual man is every one of those things. Put it on. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And listen, if you all get in the flesh, this is what's going to happen. If you get in the flesh, one of these days, you are going to come to me, and you are going to read off a massive list of trespasses that have been, you know, in transgressions that have taken place against you by other people in the church, by me. And the thing is, it's like, for me trying to judge this situation, it's just like, what do I do? Because the reality is, 
Everybody in the church has done stuff like that. Everybody in the church, but the, the thing is, it's never been a problem because for a long time you had been putting on all of these things. You had been walking in the Spirit and therefore everybody was able to function. Things were able to go forward. But then all of a sudden you chose to put, you know, you, or you allowed Satan to deceive you into putting on, back on the old man. You know, you put on the flesh and now every one of these things are going to matter. And so it's just like, you know, it, it, whenever people start like demanding, I start punishing everybody in the church for dumb stuff. It's just like, if I do that, I just, if I'm going to be consistent, I got to just punish everybody in the church for all kinds of stupid stuff. And the reality is, you know, we're supposed to put on forgiveness, bowels of mercies, all these things. And we've been doing that and everything's been fine. It's like, and so it's like, if you're ever like, what happened? Everything was fine. And now all of a sudden everything's terrible. I'll tell you what happened. The flesh. That's what happened. They got back in the flesh. When everybody was in the spirit, everything was fine. How can things go so great in a church for a long time? And then all of a sudden everything changes. They go get in the flesh. We're carrying this flesh around with us. And if we start operating in the flesh, it's always going to turn into a mess. And so something important for us to understand as a church, two, every church has its own culture and even promotes a culture. We all have that. Our church culture is going to be, and it should be, very contrary to the world in many ways. Now, if we do this, that means it's going to be a little weird for some people when they start coming to this church. If we are, as a church, we are promoting a spiritual culture, that is going to be weird for somebody when they first visit this church and they are not saved or are very carnal. And so, and unfortunately, what we're seeing in a lot of churches today they're like, oh man, we're making unsaved people uncomfortable in our churches. Well, you know, church is for the saved. It's supposed to be spiritual. Of course, they're going to be a little uncomfortable. How about you just love the daylights out of them and then try to get them saved? And then eventually, you know what? They'll learn, they'll, they'll now know what to do when the new man starts speaking to them about how they should live. You know, it, it's, it's very possible. We don't need to start sacrificing these things and making our church more carnal and more worldly to appeal to lost people or unspiritual people. That's not, that's not the way that we should handle these things. We don't need to be judgmental on people when they first come in. We better be loving. You know, don't go running people off because they're not dressing right, acting right. Maybe they don't respond to the music the way we respond to the music. You know, maybe they came from one of these holy roller churches and they want to run a glory lap or something like that, you know. Don't run them out the first time. If they keep doing it, we might have a talk. It's like, listen, that's not our, really our culture here. <laughs> but at the same time, have patience with people. So we need, to be, we need to be loving, patient. We shouldn't rush people to do things they aren't ready to do. Remember the parable of the new wine in the old bottles? I'm not going to preach that sermon again. But everyone who starts coming to this church is going to have to go against everything that is in their flesh to go along with the church culture. And that's why it doesn't always last with some people. This culture should be against the flesh. This culture here at church, it should be more... I said, I don't think we can... We should, when we come to church, we can only talk about spiritual stuff. But that ought to be the primary focus. I think we get out of balance if we start talking about football more than we're talking about Bible. We're talking about politics more than we're talking about you know, scriptures. I'm not saying we can't ever talk about some of those things. Okay? But at the same time, 
you know, the, the, we, we do need to keep the culture spiritual here. And so, but many people, so another thing too we need to understand too, is when it comes to church culture, some of us have probably gotten so ingrained in this culture. We've been doing it for so long that we can get to where we're not even doing these things according to the Spirit anymore, but we're doing them according to the flesh. Because it's just, it's all we know, especially if you grew up in church. And this isn't the best either. Because when we start doing, when we just start conforming to the culture, some people are going to come in and they're just like, they are going to immediately conform to everything we do, trying to fit in. Just like many people. It's like, you know, why do, why do, you know, boys get Zoomer perms? They want to fit in with the culture. Why do people wear skinny jeans? They want to fit in with the culture. That, that can't be comfortable. I know, but people want to fit in with the culture. So they do weird things. We have people that because the news media promotes, you know, all these abominations and wickedness and telling you got to be tolerant and, you know, go to gay weddings and things like that. A lot of people, even though that goes against their nature, you know, their nature and everything, they're like, well, I, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. They're, they're conformists. And sometimes we have conformists even within our own churches. Sometimes we have conformists that even grow up in churches where they don't really believe anything they're doing, but they are conforming to their surroundings because it's the more comfortable thing to do. Well, if that's what you're doing, you're not doing these things even according to the Spirit. That's not even good either. And it's also not going to last. And so, again, what now the way it's going to manifest itself, if we're doing all of these cultural things, if we're dressing a certain way, singing a certain way, if we're not doing certain things as conformists, here's how it will always manifest itself we will become a very judgmental church. That's the way it always manifests itself. Now, if we're doing these things from the Spirit, you know, we will. We'll have mercy with people. We'll be understanding. We won't be down in these people and beating them up. But if we're just conformists, we will be all over them. Oh, really? You're wearing, you're wearing that? You're dressed that way? That's not what we do in this church. That, 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 you're a conformist, is what you are. You're not doing these things by the Spirit. And so... Let, uh, turn over to First Peter. We're going to look at another often misunderstood passage too about the dog returning to his vomit. Because people often use this passage to teach that those who go back to their old ways were either not or never really saved, or you have those that will teach they lost their salvation. Now you won't find that in Baptist churches, but you will ha- uh, find them teach they were just never really saved. But let me tell you what I believe about this passage, based on everything we see in. First and Second Peter. We're not going to read through First and Second Peter, but Peter, through both of these letters, he has been exhorting these people to live for God instead of the flesh. He has been encouraging to live them to live like the people of God, rather than like the Gentiles. That's what he's been doing throughout First and Second Peter. And the fact that he feels the need to continually remind these people shows me that it's very possible for a saved person to fall from living like a Christian. And to go back to living according to their old nature. Okay? We still have the old man, ladies and gentlemen. Christians can go back to living according to their old nature. We are, it is very possible. And while this is a strongly worded passage, I do not believe the dog returning to his vomit or sow to their wallowing is about a saved person going from saved to unsaved, for sure. I also don't even believe it's about or showing somebody was just never really saved to begin with. I, I don't believe that. 
But I believe what it's showing is how someone can go from living like a Christian to living like a heathen. That can happen to any of us. Just understand that. When you see people who you thought, man, they were living for God, they were doing great things, now they're living like the devil, what's going on? Okay, were they ever really saved? Yeah, don't, don't worry about whether or not they were saved. They, they probably were. But you know what? Right now, for sure, they're living for the flesh. And you could do the same thing too if you're not careful. So look what it says in 2 Peter 2.18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, this is talking about the false prophets. It's been talking about false prophets in 2 Peter 2 and describing what they do to people and how they harm people. So while they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. This is talking about how false prophets, they will often come into a church. And what he's specifically dealing with here is you had people who had gotten out of living like the world. They had gotten out of the things of the flesh. They had given up the drinking. They had given up all the junk. They had given up the lascivious lifestyle. They had given up the sleeping around. They gave up all these things. You had people who successfully got away from those things. And thank God, it is, a, it is a wonderful thing when you see people who were living like the devil and they get saved and they start walking in the Spirit and they get away from all that stuff. But you know, you also have people too who grew up living according to the principles of the Bible. You know, and, but again, they're not any more saved than the person who had done all those things in the past. But it is, a, it, you know, at the same time, we should be very, in, in our American culture that is no longer Christian, we shouldn't be shocked when we have people start coming to church and they're shacking up okay, and living in fornication. That's not right. That absolutely is not right. But what do we expect from our world? You know what? We ought to be patient with people like that. But you know what? It's a, big, there's a, big, it's a bigger deal when people who grew up in a church like this, if they start doing something like that. It's a much, it's a much bigger deal. But these false prophets, what they do... They use these great swelling words of vanity and they allure through the lust of the flesh. They know what your flesh wants. The kids who grow up in this church, hey, these false prophets, they understand their flesh. Their flesh is going to want all the same thing that your flesh was involved in before you got saved. And they know how to tempt them into going back into those things. And these people are succeeding in a lot of places. And it says, um, you know, through much wantonness, uh, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. They had gotten out of it. And so it says, while they promise them liberty, that's what they're teaching today. They're, you know, you've got all these trendies going after the IFB people, the kids who grew up in IFB churches. Hey, you all didn't have liberty. You all were under legalism. And what are they doing? They're appealing to the desires of their flesh. Well, I never got to do any of those things growing up. I was in a legalistic church. And they were. They knew the way of God. They knew the way a Christian was supposed to live. But what do they do? They often get these people to go back to the things of the flesh. And it says, they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And so again, this can't be about a salvation thing too because you can't get saved and then be worse off later as a result of it. Do you all understand that? You're always going to be better off if you got saved. However, if you are somebody 
who is involved in the things of the world and dealing with the consequences of it, and then you learn the truth and you get out of it and then you go back into it, you're going to get in bigger trouble than the people who don't know any better. And there are, I believe God is more upset with people from this church who get involved in sin than he is with people in the world that are involved in sin because we know better. We, we, we absolutely know better. And so those who escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Jesus are people who got saved and learned the truth of how to live life and then went back to their old ways. I think proof of this too, 2 Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Grace and peace multiplied. We want to add things to our life when we get saved. And we do that through the knowledge of God. We learn more about His Word. We learn more about what's right and wrong. And if Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So after we get saved, we learn and He teaches us about life and godliness. Not everybody knows about that. In fact, there are saved people who have not been taught that yet. They've not been discipled yet. And so understand, I believe there's people who have gotten saved out there, but they've not been taught the way of righteousness yet. And I believe God's merciful with those people. I believe God, you know, they're still going to deal with consequences of sin. But again, it's not going to be like that person who got out of that mess, who got out of that situation and then went back to it. There's a big difference. So 2 Peter 2.21 says, For it had been better for them not to know the way of righteousness than after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You were taught the truth about these things. You were taught it. You understood it. You even lived it. And now you're going to go back to these things? Listen, I think we ought to be merciful and we ought to be kind to the drunks that are out there. But you know what? At the same time, I'm not going to be as nice to somebody who we get out of that drunkenness and then they come in here, they learn the truth, they learn what the Bible says and then you have those that are teaching people it's okay to go back to that. Whoa. Why, would, why in the world would we promote somebody going back to those things? And it's interesting too how many young people grew up in IFB churches and are being taught by these false prophets, these recovering fundamentalist types, these trendies. It's okay to drink. And you know what they're doing? They know, these kids who grew up in church and are even saved... They are made out of the same flesh everyone else in the world is made out of. And so they do. They have that desire in their flesh and they listen to these people speak their great swelling words of vanity. And they're like, you know what? I'm getting out of the legalistic church. I'm going to go enjoy liberty. And then they go, they get involved in the drinking and they are always the worst ones. Typically, they become the worst drunks. They, become, they have the greater consequences because of all these things. And I do. I believe I would be in much bigger trouble than an unsaved man or somebody who is newly saved if I were to do some of the same things. Because I have been taught, I have been delivered the Holy Commandment. I have received the Holy Commandment. I've practiced it. I've lived it. And to give these things up, it would get me in trouble. But it says in verse 22, But it happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So those are strong words there. Well, you know why? Because your flesh is a filthy, corruptible thing. Paul used some pretty strong language about his own flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul said, in his flesh dwelt no good thing. Evil was always present with him. 
Paul understood these things about his flesh. So the reality is, the dog returning to his vomit, the last thing a Christian should ever think is, I'm saved, that can't ever be me. Uh, yes, it could be. You know why? Because you still have flesh. You could go back to those things. All the junk that the rest of this world do. You can get involved in drugs. You can get involved in the fornications and in the perversion and things that are out there. You better believe you can get involved in those things because your flesh is vile and it's disgusting. So these people that Peter's talking about, while he's mainly been dealing with false prophets, what's so bad and destructive about these false prophets is they are destroying people by getting them to go back to the things of the flesh. Getting saved people to go back to the things of the flesh. And let me tell you, if you're saved and you go back to the things of the flesh, you won't be fruitful as a Christian. You're not going to bear fruit anymore. And God wants us bearing fruit in His vineyard. That's what we're here for. So, what should happen when we see this? What do we do when we see somebody go from fired up, serving the Lord, let's not, let's not even entertain were they ever really saved. I think that's unproductive. I, I think if we do that, we'll confuse the gospel. Okay? I'm not saying, you know, one way or the other, they're saved, they're not saved. I'm just saying, if that becomes the discussion, we're going to confuse ourselves. You know, let's, let's not discuss, you know, whether or not, obviously we're not even going to discuss whether or not they lost their salvation. We know you can't lose your salvation, but whether or not they were saved to begin with, no, let's just understand, any of us could do what they would do if we get in the flesh. Any of us. And so you know what we should do when we see these things? One, we should take heed lest we fall. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation you... Take, uh, temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will also with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So understand, we can be tempted. We can fall. We can get into the things of the flesh. And you know, one of the things too, and, I, and I've, I've had these, and I'm not saying you can't have these conversations as long as we don't allow ourselves to get confused in some of these things. But you know, people have had you know the conversation, you know, just how much heresy can a saved person get into? Well, again, I don't need to figure that out because, again, there's such a thing as Judas's. But there's also such a thing, too, as saved people getting into the flesh. And what is one of the works of the flesh that are manifest? Heresies. Heresies. When people get in the flesh, they're going to start getting involved in some bad doctrine. Typically, doctrine, too, that appeals to the flesh. That's always going to happen. So when we see somebody getting caught up in heresies, don't think, wow, I'll never do that because at least I know I'm saved. Um, no, you won't do that if you walk in the Spirit. But if you get in the flesh, you might start teaching some of that stuff too. You might start believing some of that stuff too. Take heed lest ye fall. And if you do, if you get involved in heresies, you know what will happen? You're not going to lose your salvation, but you won't be fruitful. You're not going to be fruitful. You're not going to bear any more fruit. So, when we see these kind of things happen, take heed lest ye fall. Another thing, don't move. Second Peter 3.17 Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own salvation. No, steadfastness. Fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. 
Amen. The error of the wicked will cause you to fall from your steadfastness. What does that mean? It means you will no longer be a productive Christian. You'll no longer bear any fruit. So we all need to beware. Don't move. Don't fall from it. Right now, if you're doing good right now, you're doing good because you've been walking according to the Spirit. Keep doing it. Because if you quit, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go into the flesh. You're going to fall from your steadfastness. You're going to get in trouble. Then the last thing, be ready to help the fallen without getting into the mire with them. Okay? Listen, you don't get, you don't help people get out of the mire by getting out of the mire with them. You're not going to help get your buddy away from his drunkenness by going and drinking with him and just helping him drink responsibly. You're not going to, that you do not help people who try to use that as an excuse, insult the intelligence of everyone that they try to justify their wickedness with. You, that's not how it helps. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know how you help somebody who gets into things of the flesh? Be spiritual. You don't join them. You don't get involved with them. You don't get close to them. You don't participate in their sin. You don't support them in their sin. You, 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 it's the spiritual to help them. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And let me tell you, 100% of people who have ever seen compromise to try to help the person who is walking in the flesh, they always get drugged down themselves. Always. Every single time. Spiritual people help unspiritual people. Unspiritual people do not help other unspiritual people. It's not going to happen. Be spiritual. You can't help someone in the flesh while in the flesh. So those who are spiritual. So we must never forget our flesh never really changes. So when you're saying, do people really change? Well, the spirit does. The spiritual man for sure changes, but the flesh never really does. Well, they keep going back and forth. Why is it? Because they got the spirit in the flesh. What you, so the reality is, your, your flesh never changes. Don't let sinners returning to sin discourage you and keep you from trying to help others. Everyone that is doing right today, all of you who are doing good today, you're doing good today because you just happen to be walking in the spirit. But let me tell you something about your dirty, sorry carcasses that you drugged to church today and plopped in these chairs. You ever start giving into that? You know what? You'll be just as sorry as everyone else out there. So just take heed lest ye fall. Beware. You don't fall from your steadfastness. Keep walking in the Spirit. Keep reading your Bible. Keep staying close to the Lord. Keep saying no to the things of the flesh. Keep putting on the new man. Keep putting off the old man. Crucify this flesh. Do all these things that we have been commanded. And let me tell you, everyone that is doing right today is doing right because somebody stood with them. None of us, none of us do good by ourselves. Somebody stood with us. No one does it alone. The more people we have walking in the Spirit, the more likely it will be for someone to have a long-lasting walk with Christ or a long-lasting change in their life. It, it can be done. It can happen. These things can be permanent if we permanently walk in the Spirit. But don't forget how sorry your flesh is. It's always dangerous. It's always going to be there. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word, the instruction we get from it. I pray, Lord, that if anything, that this will uh, comfort everyone in their salvation, help them not to get confused when their flesh starts making a lot of noise, but help them to just realize exactly what's going on and help them to put their flesh in its place and to let the spiritual man take over and uh, 
follow after the things of the Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.